And to give us an idea of, of the way it is, is habits, they in, encompass a lot of our lives. Habits, there's those things that are done over and over and over. And sometimes they're done so frequently that we almost don't realize that we're doing them anymore. They, it's almost like they happen unconsciously. Modern neuroscience, of which I know absolutely nothing about, uh, but I read something about modern neuroscience. It says that habits occur in our deepest part of our brain, the basal ganglia. I would call it the autopilot section of our brain. Uh, I wouldn't call it the basal ga ganglia. It's the, the part of our brain that takes care of all the things that need to happen while we are thinking about other things. The autopilot section of your brain is what's causing you to breathe right in this very moment while you're focusing on other things, trying to decipher words and make connections in your brain. It's that part of our brain that allows us to do some higher level thinking. Since we're creatures of habit, I noticed that we were creatures of habit actually on Monday as a bunch of elders walked into the room where we meet and everyone sat in basically the same seat that they were in last time. And even uh, one of our elders said, you know, I don't intend to sit in the same seat, but then I do. Habits, they're those powerful things that are a part of our lives. And, and the thing that's wonderful about habits is when we have a good habit, a part of our life. It's like we're doing something good without even realizing it over and over and over, without any thought doing good. But the same power of habits that cause us to do good things over and over and over can cause us to have such a difficult time moving away from those bad habits. Maybe we'd call them sins in our life. Those reactions that are unhealthy that somehow always seem to be a part of our life. They're so difficult to turn away from because They've grounded themselves right in our very being. The thing about our habits is they form us. They form us to who we are as people. And for those who are parents or grandparents or who have any interaction with children whatsoever, your habits form them as well as they see and witness the way that we live. There's an author, his name's Justin Whitmill Early. He's actually a lawyer, and he wrote a couple books. Uh, one is, is about uh, the common rule, trying to have these practices among your life. Another one is called Habits of the Household, which, in which he invites people into his home and his process of changing his habits. He says that our habits are like 
a liturgy. Now, maybe that's not a, a word that we use very often. If you grabbed a bulletin this morning, we would call that a liturgy. Something that we participate together with. When we receive God's welcome, which we did earlier, we recognize that God has created us. And because God has created us, He has invited us into a new relationship. That's part of a liturgy. When we welcome one another, which we did this morning, we, we recognize that we ourselves have the opportunity to extend God's welcome to those around us. When we join one another in recognizing our sin, we recognize that God, by way of His creating us and by our, our sin, has, has caused each and every one of us to have these portions of good, but also these portions of evil residing in each of us, those portions that we need to recognize in front of God. And then when we receive God's grace, it's God that meets us, meets the, the evil within our hearts as we express that sin. And he says, that will not keep you forever separated from me because my son Jesus has covered over your sin and he's made you new. That's the liturgy that we would say is a part of what we do as church, but what about liturgy as a part of our habits in life? Sometimes those habits that we do also say something about what we believe. Uh, Early gives a couple examples of what, what he thinks, and here, here they are. When we continually wake up tired because we never get bed on time, we show that we believe we are like God. We believe that we will not burn out and that our bodies will always be fine. When we look at emails right away when we get up, even before getting out of bed, we believe we can miss quiet time with God, but can't miss a quick reply. We believe our productivity is the most important contribution we provide to society. When our schedules are packed full all the time, when we go from place to place so often that we believe being busy is actually normal, we believe that it's the busyness in our life that makes us important. And therefore, to always stay important, we must always stay busy when we keep our phone notifications on all the time in our phone within arm's reach. We believe that the people in front of us are not the most important thing. The most important thing is that most recent ding. You can see how some of these habits within our own life, those things that we do unconsciously may be keeping us from living a life of worship towards God. It actually may be, may be keeping us in habits that are just draining for our very soul and draining for our very being. Our hope as we look at some household habits is that we 
together can begin to create a new liturgy of habits within our life. Those things that we will maybe begin to do over and over and over to help form us and form the children in our presence in new ways. So we're going to look at six, uh, six habits in the next six weeks. The habits of hospitality, Sabbath, listening, service, generosity, and prayer. And this morning we're going to turn uh, to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to begin at verse 9. Students, if you've got your Bible with you, that'll be on page 1,398. Uh, if you grab one of those black Bibles in front of you, that'll be on page 920. Romans 12, starting at verse 9, and we're going to go just to verse 13 this morning. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. These last two words. Practice hospitality. Love here in Romans 12 seems to be the foundation of all relationships. And when love is the foundation of relationships, our habit is hospitality. When we think about hospitality, maybe you think about organizing meals. Maybe you think about cake. I think about Shelly. Shelly is the provider of cake, the one who orders cake every time we need it at church, providing the hospitality within celebrations, right? Maybe you think of someone else in your mind because when you think of hospitality, you automatically begin thinking about holidays. Like, who's going to host Christmas this year? Who's going to host Thanksgiving? And what are all the plans that we need to, to do for that? You think of people setting tables, making sure the table is big enough and the placemats are in the right position and the, the dishes are clean. And that the, the flatware is shiny that those glasses are crystal clean, that you can almost see yourself in them. Maybe you think about hospitality and, and the way you invite other people into conversation and you, you talk to one another. I actually think about, when I think about hospitality, I think about cleaning a house. Because when you have five small slash 11 and under children running around the house, Generally, it needs to be cleaned before you invite anybody over. <laughs> Hospitality is having a clean house, you could say. Gathering with family members that you know care. I think sometimes we can think hospitality is a gift that only certain people have. We have that person in our mind and we say, that person 
That person has the gift of hospitality. They're always thinking about what other people experience. You know, she always makes sure that in the bathroom or the washroom, she always has a towel crumpled up right next to the, the sink. That way, you know that that towel's for washing your hands instead of leaving all them up on the, like, towel hanger in this little beautiful arrangement where people have to wonder, am I supposed to use that towel? Or is that just for decoration? We think, we think of those people that maybe have a gift of hospitality. Though we think, though, that maybe it's a gift of only certain people and we think that hospitality is that thing that we do for friends and family. I think what we find in Romans chapter 12, verse 13, Hunter, if you want to put that on the screen, is, is a little different. These words, practice hospitality, those words literally mean love of strangers. You can see how that puts a little bit different twist on what we think of hospitality. We think of hospitality for those we love and we care about and we know. Or maybe, if we're being really, really honest with ourselves, the people that are friends of the people that we love and that are family. But what, what we read here is that the love that God desires to have and the hospitality He desires for us to practice, to have a habit of in our life is for the strangers, the people that we don't know, the unexpected visitor. What happens then? What is our habit when we're, we're faced with that unexpected person? A couple weeks ago on a Sunday, shortly after noon, everyone had pretty much gone from church except for maybe four people that were finishing up, setting up for IHN. And as they were running around, I was about to head out the door that heads to our house, which is door G. It goes out that way. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw a car pull up, and I figured it's one of the Chin Church people coming early to set things up. And soon, an unfamiliar face rounded the corner coming to the main entryway and knocked on the door, waiting for someone to come and meet them. Our habits of hospitality are evident in the moments that we're faced with something unexpected. Our habits of hospitality present themselves in moments where we're rushing from one thing to another, where we maybe don't think that we have the time. And the question we have for ourselves, do our habits cause us to respond in love? Do our habits cause us to respond in hospitality, in graciousness to the unexpected stranger in our life? When God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, if you want to bring us there, Hunter, he said these words, the Lord had said to Abram, 
Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. God had this plan for Abraham, and it was to bless, to show love and hospitality to all the people on earth, not just the people who were going to be his descendants, but all the people on earth would be blessed through him. We see a thread of hospitality that's woven all throughout the way the people of God are supposed to be living within his world. A little bit later on, after Abraham was called, in Genesis 18, Abraham was faced with the unexpected opportunity to practice hospitality. Genesis 18 talks about how Abram and Sarah, they were living by the great trees of Mamre and three unexpected visitors came to him. And it was Abraham who provided a model of hospitality for all those who followed him to follow themselves. Abraham got down and he washed the visitors' feet after their long time of traveling. You see, hospitality, it's this invitation into the family space. An invitation into maybe our homes, but more so our lives. Hospitality, too, was providing food. And, and so while he washed feet, he, he had Sarah and, uh, provide some food and, and create some food for the family the family and the visitors, the three strangers to partake in together. Since Abraham knew he was to be a blessing and that his family would be a blessing to all nations, it was Abraham who was a blessing to these three people. The Lord would go on too to bake the very nature of hospitality, the love of stranger into the laws that would go and guide all the people of Israel in their living. If we would go to Leviticus chapter 19, we would find a lot of these different ways, and we're going to point out two of them this morning. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over to your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor, for the foreigner. For I am the Lord your God. Elsewhere in Scripture, we see how this very practice was something that was put in effect by Boaz and blessed those who had come in who didn't have food for themselves. And again in Genesis, or I mean Leviticus 19, verse 33, if we'd go on, 
when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. In the midst of sharing these laws and outlining the way to live, as God outlined the way of hospitality and love for stranger. He wanted to remind the people of where they came from. If we would think back to the time that Israel had in Egypt, it'd be a tale of two stories, really. On on one of them, you have the, the people invited into Egypt. They're given the land of Goshen to live in. They were treated well and cared for, and what happened is the people of Israel were prosperous and they grew, and and the number of their cattle would, would increase. The number of the people were increasing, and then there was a change in leader, and there was a change in removal of hospitality. What was once a cared for and loved people, a people welcomed turned into a people who were slaves, a people who were in a foreign land, a people who were mistreated, taken advantage of, burdened with work. We could see how how hospitality causes people to flourish and the lack of love and hospitality towards the stranger creates a burden that many cannot overcome. The pain of an inhospitable land was different than the joy of welcome. God's thread of hospitality continues on when we get to the New Testament and we get to the person of Jesus. Jesus displayed hospitality, the love of stranger in so many of his interactions with people. Not only was he invited as a guest in others' homes, experiencing hospitality, but Jesus would meet those the unexpected people who would call out His name for His attention with love and welcome. And meeting them with the very thing that they needed. And it was Jesus who said that hospitality would be a key way that His own very followers would live. We go to Luke chapter 14. Then Jesus said to his host, this is a a picture of a dinner, a banquet. When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. 
although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Even if we continued past the ministry of Jesus into the ministries of Paul and in Timothy and those who followed, creating many churches, what we would find in the baked into the very regulations of those who were to be in leadership of the church, Timothy and Titus say a defining characteristic of someone in leadership is their ability to practice hospitality, the love of strangers. If hospitality is a thread that we find throughout the pages of Scripture from the Old Testament law, from the the people in the Old Testament like Abram, to the New Testament where Jesus Himself practices the love of stranger and that the leadership and the followers of Christ are to practice hospitality, we may wonder, what is it? What is it that hospitality looks like? Often, I think the way we practice hospitality is giving hospitality to the people who will give it back. Sometimes when we experience hospitality, we almost feel this obligation within our life. Well, you know, Steve is inviting me over to his house this afternoon, so, I mean, I I guess I have to invite him over to my house another afternoon, right? We sometimes treat hospitality as a comparison. We need to meet one for one or two for two instead of maybe graciously receiving and graciously giving. The thing about hospitality is there's a significant hospitality that God has given to us outside of inviting us over for dinner. The hospitality that that God gave us was the hospitality of sending Christ. For we were strangers. God. I wasn't born a Jew. I wasn't born in God's original family. And yet, because of what God said to Abram, that this nation will be a blessing to all people, Christ came and was that blessing to all people. That He would give us hospitality, welcoming us into the family space that by our relationship with Jesus, we would be carried from our own families, from being the Monsmas or the the Hulls or the Konings or the Bootsmas, from being the the Settergrins or the Kadots, to instead become a child of God. To take us into a place that we never deserved 
in the first place. Saying to us, you're free. Your sins have been forgiven and you yourself are now part of my family. You're a child of God. And because you've experienced my love, in my grace, though you were a stranger to me, now you too are to go live, live in a way that honors others, live in a way that shows love and grace and value to the people that you don't even know, to the people that are those unexpected visitors at noon on a Sunday, to those people who are those unexpected encounters at a 3 p.m. when you're on social media. I think that's the interesting thing about the way that the Lord has invited us to practice hospitality. It doesn't just mean the people that we see on a daily basis, the people that we encounter on those one-time instances Hospitality the Lord desires in our life extends into the digital spaces of our world today. Something that probably wasn't even imagined when Paul wrote those words, practice hospitality. How do we practice hospitality to those people that we only know by that little picture in their name on our computer screen? How is it that we can begin to be a blessing, extending God's love to the people we barely know? If we think about our life as a church, maybe we could think about several different areas. We could, we could maybe point to a couple things even. Point to the organizations that, that we support as a church those which we partner with by providing a little bit of food from our garden to Streams of Hope, or, or the, the way we partner with Exalta Healthcare, providing physical and emotional and dental and medical care to people who are in need. We could point to that. We could even point to our very building and the way we try to practice hospitality by inviting families three or four times a year for a week to make them feel like this is their home. As we, we try to work with family promise in ending homelessness or housing insecurity. Yeah, that, that's, that's good, but I don't think that would be the limits of the hospitality that we could have in our life. Perhaps we could extend the limits or broaden the limits to thinking about immigration policies and to think about how we could advocate to Congress people, to representatives and senators, that our country would enact fair and just immigration policy that wouldn't be clouded in so many rules but somehow would manage to be clear and maybe wouldn't take years and years and years of time 
Maybe that's what hospitality looks like as we invite those through those clear laws to begin a new life in a new country. Hospitality as the blessing of all nations within the world. As we consider what hospitality looks like in in our own lives and within our sphere of influence, whether it's digital or in person, take some time this week to consider what, what kind of hospitality have you experienced in your life beyond the hospitality that God has given you through Jesus Christ. The people that come to mind, the way they practiced God's love, inviting you into their life. And then ask this question of yourself. How might I create an atmosphere that reflects God's love? God's love of stranger within all the different spaces in my life. Whether it's in person or online. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the thread of hospitality that we find in Scripture. We thank you that that thread of hospitality was extended to us. That we are no longer strangers, but that you call us children of God. We thank you for that love that caused you to send Christ. And we pray that that love would so move through us by the power of your Spirit that we could practice hospitality, the love of stranger to all those that we meet. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.